Well, I want to remind you that as God sought to come and to uh, bring healing into this world, he did not send a program. He didn't send an idea. He sent a person. He sent a person who was uh, full of grace and truth. Not 50% grace and 50% truth. He was full of grace, 100% grace and full of truth, 100% truth. God sent the picture of love, of beauty, of grace, of forgiveness. That's who God sent. And as we get done now gathering together here and being reminded of many truths that will be helpful to us, I'm going to remind you what God wants to send back to where it is that you lead. It's not a program. It's not merge. It's not an idea to have um, marital healing happen in a church. It's a person who's been reconciled to God, who knows God's goodness, who has himself been healed, who can tell other people where healing in life can be found. All of our hope that we have always originates from, and the moral authority that we have comes from the fact that we ourselves have found the healing and the hope and the beauty and the grace and the love that we're inviting other people into. We are not tips and techniques people. We are broken people who have been healed together. There's no reason to go back and have to pretend like your marriage is somehow clept out of that which God said marriage will always contain. There's no reason for you to go back and have to try and prove God to be a liar. What do I mean by that? My Bible says that if you're married, such will have tribulation in his flesh. At least that's the margin in the NAS. The way most of us read it is, in this world, if you marry, you will have trouble. And so to go back and act like you don't need everything that God offers to make marriage everything that God intends it to be is not only insanity, it is rebellion. And so one of the things that I hope that you see that we're in the middle of doing here in Dallas, Texas, is in the midst of broken people telling our story of brokenness. We are not people that have been born of a virgin and that have perfectly yielded to our Father. We are people who are coming out of the same kind of craziness that Mary Magdalene came out of, the same kind of rebellion that Paul came out of, the same kind of brokenness that the lame people that Jesus ran into came out of, and we have found hope in him. Our friends Casting Crowns have written a song recently called Broken Together, and um, our friend Johnny of Johnny and Chachi, who's a part of our body, has been working with Casting Crowns to try and give a picture of the hope that we all have and the three of us together using stories from our body, songs that they wrote, and gifts from people in our body have, have made a little story out of that song. And I just want to remind you that in everything that we do and everything you should do, we do it out of a deep brokenness and dependence upon Jesus. And if all you have is him, all you have is enough. We're not going back as experts. We're going back as people who have found life. Be encouraged by this song.
fairy tale your dreams we'd be you wore the veil you walked the aisle you took my hand we dove into a mystery How I wish we could go back to simpler times Before all our scars and all our secrets were in the light And on this hollowed ground we've drawn the battle lines Will we make it through the night? It's gonna take much more Promises this time Only God can change our mind Maybe you and I were never meant to be complete Could we just be broken together? If you can bring your shattered dream And I'll bring mine
Well, when God wanted to send hope to a people, he sent a person. When God was revealing who he was, he, he dropped in a story. A story of rescue and love and redemption. And if your life is not that story, if you don't have a chance to look at people and talk about how God's brought healing into your life, then there's not much for you to really encourage people to be safe too if you don't know what it is that you're saved from. We are not people that are to help others out of our incredible strength, but rather our incredible Savior. It is normal for people to say before you go and talk, man, go give him Jesus. And I'm like, I don't really have anything else to give. Paul says that I profess to know among you a matter of first importance, Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, and buried. And I hope what you have heard us talk about these last two days is simply this. We are people people deeply committed to the gospel. We're deeply committed to telling people that God is who he says he was. A lover, a healer, the one who makes beauty from ashes. We are people who, by God's grace, have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, and we proclaim his excellencies. And so we don't really do premarital ministry. We remind people about the only thing that matters, the gospel. We don't really do um, equipping and enrichment ministry. We don't do foundational marriage ministry. We just make disciples. We don't really do marital counseling. We just remind people of healing and grace and forgiveness and remind them of the gospel. We equip the saints. We proclaim forgiveness and grace to the lost. We tell them where we found it. We tell them who he is. And then we let the Spirit convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we do our best in our relationship with Christ to keep our behavior excellent among the Gentiles. There's about 10 different things I was going to do with the very few short minutes that we had together. But what I really ended up wanting to do was just to share with you and remind you who you are. I could have done this with a number of different places, but I chose to do that of Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 just simply says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. I could easily insert your name. Sent forth by God, by the will of God, to the saints who are at, and insert your city, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then I want you to pay special attention to verse three. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I gotta tell you, that's where re-engage came from. Re-engage came from me believing that that verse was true and just having a sense that we who have a relationship with God don't need to farm out relational problems. We have every spiritual blessing here. In 2 Peter, when Peter was saying the exact same thing, he's saying, uh, you're lacking nothing pertaining to life and godliness. And I looked around and I saw church after church pushing people other places to find solutions to their issues. 
And I thought to myself, what an incredible shame and what an incredible um, slanderous, blasphemous thing to say about God that his people are not able to love those that are lost. I also saw how people were largely uninspired to just be attending a place where professionals would be available that they could send their friends to. And I was reminded as a pastor that my job was to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so believing Ephesians 1.3, believing Ephesians 4.12 and 13, we just came up with a way to allow individuals to do what God wants them to do, which is take healing and the grace that they have received, offer it to others, and be the means of grace that God intended his church, which is a group of people, to be. But people need somebody who can show them and say, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Jesus Christ. People have been told that it's the job of experts. People have been told that it's the job of professionals to do the things that God says, no, it's my job to do this. And God loves to work through insignificant things. One of the problems that we have at Watermark right now is that we make videos with casting crowns. We have uh, a room that looks like this. We have a gifted staff that looks like they do. And so we look like a big box church that just wants you to come and watch and be impressed with what the professionals do. And we've got to constantly fight against that. We weren't always that way. For over half of the life of our existence, we didn't even have a place to meet. And those were some of our richest years. Actually not. I want to tell you, the last seven years have been just as great as the first eight. But we have to work hard to deprogram people that want to come to a place where they can watch ministry be done. Don't make that mistake. Your job is not to go back and do the ministry. Your job is to go back and equip others to do the ministry. To tell them the things that we have shared with you and to remind them of the significance of God's impact in their life and then to let them have a story that God worked in their life and then let them do what Andrew and other disciples have always done, which is say, Peter, you gotta come and see. This is the one who changed my life. I'm gonna just read you from Ephesians. And you tell me if this isn't a great little exhortation to a group of people at the end of a marriage conference. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, God predestined us, this room, to adoption of sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Not of programs, not of ideas, not of facilities, not of a certain size staff. Everybody is leaving here with everything they need to be everything that God wants them to be in their Ephesus. According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on all of us in all wisdom and insight, 
He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in heavens and things on the earth. In him also we've obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Do you see what Paul is writing to these people? You're Esther. You have been made beautiful for such a time as this. When there is a genocide on God's beloved, he has sent you to go forth with everything that you need to deliver people from the enemy who wants to see their life terminated. And God's chosen you for such a time as this. We've obtained an inheritance. We've been predestined, verse 11 says, according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will, to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ, that's who you are, the first one to go back and say, we've got everything we need in Jesus. To the praise of his glory, in him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. And so I join Paul in saying this, for this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you, and in your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. While making mention of you in my prayers, and I can tell you that you've been prayed for and coming and you'll be prayed for and going, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. I don't know what you're walking away from this marital conference from, but if you're not walking away with a deep knowledge of the surpassing greatness of his power, you're walking away with nothing. And if you're walking away with only that, that you are reminded that you are his ambassadors, you're walking away with everything that you need. We hope that there are certain things that we're doing that inspire you. But if we have not most inspired you with our love for God, our absolute confidence that his word is sufficient, the freedom in living authentically before others, and doing business together for the glory of Jesus, we have only distracted you from your power and done you a great disservice. And if you leave here believing that God loves the town that you're from and he's not sending a program but a person who has an intimate relationship with him, then we have done you a great service. And so take ideas, take stats, Take things that others have given you, but depend on Jesus. Because he alone is what you need and what the people that you go to need. 
we have come up with different ways that you can remind the body of which you are leaders in how they, in relationship with Jesus, under your discipleship, can participate with God in the rescue of people out of darkness and bringing him into his marvelous light. But please, don't go back thinking that you are doing marital ministry because you'll start to judge your success by how many married couples come and maybe don't divorce. The goal, by the way, of marriage, you do know this, is not that people wouldn't divorce. The goal of marriage is that people would experience oneness with one another as a picture of the glory of God and the oneness which the gospel helps us to attain to yet again. It's my great belief that there are more couples in your church that are probably more undivorced than they are married biblically. And so that's why we do a lot of work in helping couples that are married improve their marriages, reconnect, reignite, and certainly those that are completely broken resurrect their marriages because God hates divorce. But God hates divorce because he loves people. And because God loves people, he sent a person. And Jesus said this amazing thing as he was getting ready to take off. He said, listen, it's better for you that I go. It's better for you that you stop listening to all the marital experts and you just go with a deep conviction that God's word, God's spirit, and God's call in your life is enough. And that you go back deeply dependent upon him and you just say, hey, I don't know what I can do. But I want to tell you this, the people that are successful start simply and they simply start. They have an audacious belief that God is who he says he was and they're gonna do something, anything for his glory and his name, depending upon him. He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You're lacking nothing for life and godliness if you have a relationship with Christ Jesus. If you go back and top programs and tips, you might help people, but in the long run, you're gonna hurt people if everything you do is not about discipleship and him. I gotta be honest with you, I'm not wild about a marriage ministry training conference. <laughs> I am thrilled and wild about Jesus. And that's true of John McGee, Scott Kadersha, Lance Sisko, and the entire team. And because of what we get to do, people who are gonna help people in one of their greatest areas of felt need, we've talked to you as ministers to hurt, who can go and bring Jesus into an area where there is a great need for Jesus. I'll just wrap up with this, then I'm gonna tell you, um, introduce you to a friend of mine who's gonna help you think through how I might just simply start, and start simply. But there's three great institutions in the um, scriptures, three of them. The first one is uh, family, and it's family's job to educate and to train. And so if you break down God's original institution, sovereignly ordained group, that is his original department of health, education, and welfare, you're going to have dishealth, poor training, and it's not going to go well with people. If you've got a sick people, you're going to have a sick land, a sick government. It's the job of government, the second divine institution, to prosecute what is evil and to praise those who do right. First Peter 
2.13 says. The job of government biblically is really in only two areas. It is to prosecute evil and to uh, protect the innocent and to promote that which is good. But when you've got a government of the people, by the people, uh, of the people, for the people, by the people, and the people themselves are not educated into what is right and true, you're going to have a government that, in fact, prosecutes evil and doesn't protect those who do right. And there's a reason that that's what's happening in America today. And it's why it's so exciting to be God's people for such a time as this. Because the third institution is the church. And it's the church's job to remind and to rebuke. To exhort and to train with great patience and instruction. And so we raise up moms and dads. We heal broken fathers and broken mothers and broken husbands and broken wives so they can be present and not just be present, but to be wise in the way that they educate and train so that that which is a government of them, by them, for them, might prosecute evil and protect those who do good. The greatest problem in America is not the broken family and not the broken government. It's the broken church that has failed to lead the family, educate, and equip the saints that have brought about a perverse government. And that's great news for you and I because we're right there, the number one place that God wants to bring correction. And so we get to draw a circle around ourselves and change everything in it. And then we get to invite other people in to the goodness. And here's the great thing. The more the chaos in the sea, the more people are looking for a solid rock upon which to stand. And so you stand, my friends. And you be certain of what you have. And you keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. You talk about your own brokenness. And you talk about the forgiveness and the grace and the power that God has brought you. And you be shining stars in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. And you walk with Jesus. And that is how you should be known. Not as people who have been to marriage conferences and have programs that are promoted around the world, but as people who have been with Jesus, and you will help the family. And if you help the family, you will help this land. And you will do the very first thing that God, through John, told us to do as we started this entire conference, was to seek the welfare of the city in which you are in. Through a deep, abiding, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so to the saints who have been given every spiritual blessing. I commission you to go and be faithful with everything you need in a deep abiding relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for my friends, and you tell us in your scripture that you exalt the humble, and so they have been very humble to come. And just say, I'm gonna listen for 48 hours to other people talk about what's going on in the land in which they live, to be reminded of scripture that will exhort them to be the men and the women that they need to be in the land of which they are called. And so, Lord, I pray you'd exalt them, and that you would exalt them in this way, that they would be faithful heralds of righteousness, that you would protect them from evil, 
that um, your kingdom would be present in them in the peace that is defined in their marriages and in their household as they abide with you, that your power would be with them and that your glory would be on them and that that glory would be so obvious that others that are in a place of um, great sadness would come to them and say, what is the source of that which shines through your life? And they with great patience and love, full of grace and full of truth, could tell them about the one thing that is the greatest privilege of man, the beauty of God, the glory of the gospel, and the perfection of your son, and the reconciliation made possible through him. So Lord, I pray for the people in this room that their union with you would be everything that you intended to be so that their union with other humans would be one that is defined by reconciliation and peace so that in a world filled with that which is irreconcilable with hope and anything but peaceful would see them as supernatural saints that they could tell them about their father and that it would bring you great joy and great glory as they lead others onto that ark of rest which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that we get to in an area of great felt need Celebrate your perfect provision in Jesus' name. Amen. Todd, I feel like a flashback here. Do you remember um, when you, you didn't ask me, you told me that I was the new marriage pastor uh, at our church. Um, and I said, I, I don't think I can do this. Do you remember, do you remember what you said? Nope. <laughs> I, I happened to. Um, you looked me right in the eye and you said, and I was just, probably was just making excuses, and I, not me, not me, not me. And you looked me right in the eye and you said, hey, John, you know what? You've got a good marriage, and you know your Bible. You can do this. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that, that was enough. And I'm so, I'm just so glad you guys heard that uh, from the same guy who told me that uh, 12 years ago. Now, can I be honest? I didn't believe him. I did not believe him. But it turns out, um, that God's word, God's spirit, and God's people is enough uh, to bring about change. And, and you, uh, when I didn't believe that, you did deeply. You drove a stake in the ground uh, and saw that for me. And so, let me ask you a question. You. Knowing all that you know now, 12 years later, okay? On this. Yeah. And like having lived through this and worked the way that you've worked and done all that you have done, could you now start over? and get the marriage ministry at Watermark back to where it is today? Well, uh, I'm, I think I know where you're going, but if not, here's how I'll answer it, and you tell me what I should have said, okay? Um, <laughs> I will say I know, I, I know exponentially more. I have, I have access to resources that I never could have dreamed back in the time, but God somehow was in this thing. Mm-hmm. And I, so if yes, yes. Yeah. If not, I'm, I'm 100 times smarter, and no. Yep, and the very thing that you needed at the beginning is the same thing you need today, or it doesn't matter what you have. Yeah. And I would say the same thing about Watermark, okay? I mean, 15 years ago when we started this thing, um, I had never started church before. And knowing all that I know now 15 years later, there's no way that I could start over and with all that I've learned in leadership and all I've learned in experience and preaching the exact same messages, there's no way I could get Watermark 15 years later to be something again. But I want to tell you something. 
God could, and, and probably the truth is God would have done a lot more with the marriage ministry at Watermark had John McGee been more of his vessel, and God would have done a lot more with Watermark had Todd Wagner been more of his vessel. Because here's what you need to know. God is still in the business of making himself famous. And so all we've said every day is, Lord, if today you're willing, why not with us? And so our job every day is to be make ourselves available to him. Now, I want to tell you something else. I have not a chance to meet all of you all, but not everybody here is a 10-talent person. I'm not going to lie to you. John McGee is a 10-talent person. Some of you all might be five-talent people. You might work at a three-talent church. But what I want you to know is if you do everything you're supposed to do with your one talent, you will receive the exact same reward that those people who are doing everything they should do with a 10-talent stewardship should do. And I believe if no one ever hears about what you do, but you're faithful with your one talent, and that 10-talent person is just 70% faithful, and so it's seven times more effective on earth, I believe they're going to be 30% more in trouble than you are. (laughs) And so what you need to leave here doing is just saying, Lord, I may not have as much as somebody else, but I want to do everything I can with all I've got. And my Bible seems to indicate that the more you have less to do with, the more God likes to use you because it takes away the mystery about who gets the glory. And so we hope we leave you at the end of this session with a great sense of blessing and just a reminder, God wants to make himself famous and he's willing to use whatever's available to him. And so I'm blessed to have a 10-talent guy, but I'm really blessed to have a guy who realizes it doesn't matter how many talents he has unless he stewards them all for Jesus and working according to the power mightily which dwells within him. And everybody's leaving this room today with that exact same opportunity. That's all you need. It's your job to determine if that's all you got.